Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, and then some of you who has been with us in the last eight weeks, today is week eight of our series called Upside Down Kingdom. And it's our eighth week of, uh, of, of our series. And, uh, and I, know, I don't know about you, but I've been blessed by this series. Because we've been going through the gospel, and those of you who haven't been here, Upside Down Kingdom, and if you go through all the gospels, so many gospel writers and, and uh, people who have written commentaries about the, the gospels, and the word says that the gospel is an upside down gospel. God says you have to lose your life to win it. Everything that Jesus did was upside down the way they thought he's going to do it. They thought he's going to come and conquer the Romans and be the king and save them. Instead, he died and rose again and freed us all into every generation to come into eternity. Now, today is the last sermon of the series. And if you want to know more about the series, go to our website. All the resources are there. Now, during COVID times, I don't know about you, and it happened to me a, a lot of times. I'm not going to ask who, whoever encountered this issue. But with people wearing masks, have you ever walked by someone without knowing them? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, it happened to me last week with my, um, my neighbor. And uh, I was walking out into Checkers. And I was walking. I looked at this lady. And I was like, okay. And she said, hi, Henny. I thought, who are you? And she had her sunglasses on. I realized my neighbor. <laughs> I, I felt very sheepishly. Um, but it, it happens to us. But how many of us have gone through your house looking for something? <laughs> looking for that important thing. I need to sing now. And then after half an hour, you realize it was right in front of my eyes. How did I miss this thing? I can see all this, the smiles because I know it happened to all of us. And it still happens to all of us. Now, there's a video that I want to share with you that is probably one of my favorites still. How many of all the guys who grew up in the 80s? Don't, you don't have to put up your hand, but I did. I grew up in the 80s, and I love this ad. Mm-hmm, coffee and Cremora. Yep, Cremora. Huh. Where'd you put it? Knows how I like my Cremora. Now she hides it. Cremora. The non-dairy creamer. It tastes so rich and creamy. You'll expect to find it in the refrigerator. Helen, there's no Cremora in the refrigerator! It's not inside, it's on top! It's not inside, it's on top! Cremora, <laughs> the top of the coffee creamer. I love it. Uh, isn't that a great ad? It brings back some memories. I, I downloaded the, the ad and I thought, ooh, ads from the 80s. And I started watching ads after half an hour. It's like... No, I should prep. You know, I can't look at all this. Because I, I went through blasts from the past, and I went through all these ads I, I mean, I grew up with. And this was probably one of my favorites. They actually just remade this. And I thought, no, man, they just go back to the old one. This guy was phenomenal. Um, but it, it is amazing. Now, men, so many of you, let, let's not be insecure this morning, but you've been looking for something very important in your life, and you've, it's like, I need to sing now. It's somewhere in the house. And after half an hour, you call your wife and say, Danny. I need to sing in five seconds. Like, here you go. Now, with small things in our house, this is usually um, happens. It's not really a big thing. But what if, it, if this happens to us with big things in our lives? What then? With big, heavy things that you can't miss this one. When you're looking for something important and you just can't see it. You just can't find it. 
Now today I want to skip to the last part of Luke and we've jumped around and Luke and we've looked at the stories of Jesus and but I want to today end with the last chapter and, and not because it's the last day I wanted to keep this for the last for the last sermon. And and it's also a story of Jesus. But after the crucifixion and this story is after the crucifixion right the day of the resurrection of Jesus. It was one of the most significant days in history of the world. But I want to look at a moment on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. On that road, something happened that is a revelation for all of us that is incredible. Now, for, to really understand the story, we need to look from what has just happened four days earlier. Four days earlier, the world was turned upside down for the disciples. The world was turned upside down for a lot of followers that was following Jesus. Jesus was arrested. God never gets same money. He was sentenced. He was beaten to an inch of his life, and then he was executed with one of probably the most worst executions in, in that time. Now, Jesus' disciples were scattered. Think about it. The guy you followed, the guy you worshipped, the guy you believed was the Messiah, suddenly was, everything was turned upside down. It was, he, he died right in front of your eyes. And they were scattered because of fear and they just being sad. Now, the Pharisees and Romans were trying to figure out what to do. Sorry, now after three days, and this is, Jesus died, they buried him. After three days, Jesus' body was gone. Gone. They buried him. They rolled a stone as big as, man, I would love to see that stone. And the stone was gone. Jesus was gone. Or the stone was rolled away. Jesus was gone. And it was chaos. Chaos. The Romans didn't know what to do because they had to guard the, the tomb. The Pharisees didn't know what to do because Jesus prophesied that he would rise again. And they believed that someone stole him. The disciples didn't know what to do. They were just in fear of their lives. Every, everyone was looking for the body of Jesus. But no one could find it. Now, unlike the Cremora ad, when times are tough in our lives, it's even worse losing something of value. The disciples valued Jesus. He was the one that they were hoping to free them. And they lost it. They lost everything in one day. How many of you maybe have been retrenched or maybe you've gone through some turmoil in your life and you've gone from everything is going hunky-dory and then suddenly the carpet has been pulled down under, under you and everything you thought was your security lost. I've been there. Lost. You're sad, you're depressed, you're in fear. Now in moments of chaos and fear and high stress, so many of us look to God, but what if you don't sense His presence in that moment? What if you can't see Him, you can't find Him, you don't know where He is? Lord, where are you? What then? Now many times as Christians we face tough times and we realize we need Jesus more than ever. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. Lord, I need you now more than ever. But then we struggle to find Him in that moment. We just struggle. Lord, where are you now? Now, the time where I need you the most, Lord, now you're gone. Ever been there? 
Now my question usually is in that moment, when we can't see God or sense His presence, what should, what, what, what should we do? What then, Lord? What now? I've been there where I prayed and said, Lord, I'm in this wilderness, can you just speak to me? The sun is getting hotter, can you speak to me, Father? Where are you, Lord, when I need you now the most than, like I've ever needed you and you're gone? You're silent. Now that's a dark place to be, but it's similar to where some of Jesus' followers found themselves on the Sunday after the crucifixion. That's where they were. They needed Jesus. He was gone. Now the last time we saw Jesus, he was dead. Or they saw Jesus, he was dead. Now he was gone and they thought, <laughs> he's never coming back. He's gone. We saw him die. We saw how they speared, put that spear into his side. They saw how he blew out his last breath, how the clouds went dark. They knew it's done. Now they made it through the first two days. But they were sad and they were depressed. They think where you have been. But on day three, the two Marys, Mary Magdalene, or Magdalene, it sounds like some, Maria Magdalena and the other Mary went to the tomb to, to tend to the body of Jesus and the tomb was empty. And there was two angels sitting and said, don't worry, Jesus is alive. He's not here. He is not here. And they ran back to the disciples and Peter and John ran and, and John were faster than Peter and he outran him and, but he didn't want to go into the tomb and Peter just ran straight into the tomb and he looked and Jesus was gone and, and they didn't know what to do and the chaos became even bigger chaos. Now what? Who took out Jesus? Who took out Jesus? Just think about Peter, <laughs> a man who cut off ears. I mean, he was passionate for Jesus. I think he was mad. Who took Jesus? Who dared to take our king's body? And after that, there was more confusion and more darkness. And they went back and they locked themselves up because of fear. Because who is the Pharisees going to come and look for? Them. What did, what did you do with Jesus' body? What did you do with it? You said you are, I mean, all this stuff that they had to face, they were in darkness. They were in a turmoil time. And then they, come to the, they came four or five days earlier. They came to Jerusalem for the Passover with Jesus, hoping that he would take over and be the king. But things happened upside down and he died. He was gone. And some of them decided, it's time for us to go home. And that's where we pick up the story from Jerusalem to Emmaus with two of his disciples. Luke 24, verse 13. 24, verse 13 to 16. And it says the following. And I'm just going to read the whole, the whole, the whole uh, three verses. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, about two hours walk, seven and a half kilometers. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of con conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then he says, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, 
are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? <laughs> Just think of like, where were you, man? Like, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? I think Cleopas just went, what are you talking about? Then he says, so they said to him, these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now this verses 13 to 32, now we're going to look at the other verses later, is amazing. It is really amazing. It sets us up for probably one of the most amazing revelations for us as believers today. And I believe even now, in this time we're facing now, even more now than ever. It's a revelation we can't miss. It's something we need to grasp to step out of what we're facing. Now these two disciples of Jesus were talking, were actually walking back home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were speaking about what happened in the last few days. Just like two men can. You know, talking and it's like they were, they were talking about all the stuff that happened. And they were still sad and depressed and and because of everything they witnessed, I mean, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? And if you look at them, there weren't, they weren't much joy in their hearts in this moment. They were probably dragging their feet. They were sad. They were depressed. They were like, man, I can't believe this happened. I mean, maybe some of, one of the two teared up and started crying and just went through all the emotions again. Now then Luke mentioned one of their names, it was Cleopas. And it's amazing how Luke mentioned names to, to see that this is credible. This is credible. This was the guy who was walking there. Now Cleopas, if you go through all the history, and Cleopas was the, was the husband of Mary. And Mary was one of the women who stood at the foot of the, the cross when Jesus was crucified. Mary was one of the two Marys who ran to the who came to the grave for the empty tomb and, and saw the angels. This was her husband. And he was the uncle of Jesus, because Mary was the aunt of Mary, or the sister of Mary, Mary Magdalene. He knew Jesus. He knew him. Jesus grew up in front of him. Now in verse 15 it says that while they walked, they reasoned about everything. They reasoned. Now this word reasoned or reasoned can be translated as to think logically. To think logically. Now they walked and talked and thought logically about what happened in the last four days. Now that's probably why their conversation didn't bring much joy because they were thinking about the resurrection logically and the resurrection wasn't logical at all. <laughs> it wasn't. We couldn't work it out with our brains, not even today. Now, amazingly of all, their question and their reasoning would have been resolved if they have just noticed who was walking with them. It's amazing. We reason, we logically, we're trying to figure this thing out with our minds and what, how, but Jesus was walking with them. Now the reason they didn't recognize Jesus was because they were not in the Spirit, but they were stuck in fear and doubt. Who would blame them? They were in fear and doubt. They were looking at the logical stuff around them, and they missed the moment in the Spirit. They missed what God was busy doing. How many people today are stuck because of fear and doubt? How many of us? How many of us are gripped with fear in our hearts and in our minds, and it brings us to a point of doubting 
No matter what God is doing in and through our lives, fear and doubt is gripping us. It's bringing us back to a point and a place of reasoning. Now verse 16 in this place proved this. It says the following, But their eyes were restrained so that they do not know Him. Their eyes were restrained. Now the word restrained here, on the King James Version it says, their eyes were held. Were hold, held. And it's translate, if you translate it from the Greek, it is the word krateo. And the word krateo means to use strength to seize something. Strength to seize something. To keep something from something else. It's amazing. But if you look at the direct translation of restraint in our normal dictionary, it says the following. It says, to be unemotional or without passion. How many of you have been unemotional and without passion about something? It feels like something drained all your passion away. You lost all your encouragement about something. You believed in something and suddenly they disappointed you and you lost everything. In other words, if I can use my words, in other words, their attention were being held by something else. Their attention spiritually were held by something else. See, they were so focused on the reason why Jesus could not be resurrected from the dead that they didn't discern Jesus was walking with them. Remember Cleopas? He was Jesus' uncle. Come on, man. His wife stood at the, the foot of the grave, of the crucifixion at the cross he saw Jesus grow up in front of his eyes he probably would be the man who recognized Jesus now before we make them off as blind and stupid and it's like how can you do that we need to remember that they, wasn't the on, they weren't the only ones that this happened to the two Marys Mary Magdalene Actually, it went, the same thing happened to her in John when she went back to the empty tomb. In John 20, we read this. It says, Now when she, said, when, she said, also, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, supposing, she, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. Later in Luke 21, the disciples reacted the same way when Jesus, or Luke 24, acted the same way when Jesus for the first time appeared to them. Look at this. It was Luke 21. It says, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightening, frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. They didn't believe it. Now we might ask, how is this possible? How is this possible? How can you not know it is Jesus? You see, some translations in the scriptures actually doesn't use the word restraint, but it says that God has closed their eyes. God has kept them from knowing but I believe it's a wrong translation. If you look at the King James and the New King James and you look at the, the Greek version or the Greek side of it, it actually says that they were restrained, but it came down to how they looked at it. It all came down to how they perceived it. 
See, they look through a different lens than they, that they should have. How many of you love wearing sunglasses? I love it. I love sunglasses. I'm uh, not, just because I've got sensitive eyes to the sun. But I grew up, I mean, since I could buy my own sunglasses, I, I had Oakleys. I love Oakleys. I'm a big Oakley fan. I was sponsored by them for a couple of um, uh, years. And, and it's just a big brand. I love the brand. I'm, I don't have Oakleys. I need to repent. I don't have Oakleys at the moment. <laughs> I'm still saving up. But it's incredible. And the, the reason why I like it is the quality of the lenses they fit in these glasses. It's incredible. Now, about 10 years ago, they stepped up their game. They went next level. I don't know if they imitated or, or joined the game, but they, they came out with polarized lenses. And I always had Oakleys with the normal lens, but when you put these polarized lenses on, man, it changes everything. It changes everything you see. I mean, it takes the glare away from everything. If you're driving your car, there's a glare in your wind, windscreen, it takes the glare away. When you walk around, it's amazing when you walk um, um, next to the water. We were at Strays by, and there's a, at, the, at the harbor there, there's this big manta rays. And everybody's looking at the manta rays now at polarized glasses, and I could see them in the water. It's incredible how it takes the glare away when you're fishing. and It's just amazing. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. I can't go without my polarized lenses. But there's a scripture that makes me think about this difference between a normal and a polarized lens. And it's in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What does Paul say in this? What does he say in the scripture? He says the term natural man doesn't just refer to unbelievers. Because that's what I always thought, unbelievers. It's not just referring to unbelievers. He's talking about everyone. He's talking to all of us. It literally means a human being focused on his own natural human ability and not on the Spirit of God. So all of us can be in our natural man when we try from our human perspective to figure out something supernatural. Because that's what Paul's speaking about. See, don't think naturally about this. Discern with your spirit. Now, so in short, if when we want to reason about a miracle with our human mindset, it won't compute. <laughs> it won't. I've tried it. When I, when I prayed for, for uh, with somebody, prayed and a leg grew and, and I saw miracles, I saw deaf ear open, my mind couldn't compute it because it doesn't make sense. But because I judged it with my natural ability. Now look what, what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16. We all know the scripture so well. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. <laughs> Ouch. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Very strong statement that Jesus said to Peter. Now Jesus didn't say to him, Hey Peter, you are Satan. Or you are possessed. He didn't say that. But he said, look at the situation. You are looking at the situation from a human perspective, from a, from a worldly perspective. Change the way you think and the way you see it. And Jesus knew when we only look at things from a human perspective, we will miss the power of God in and through our lives. 
And when I read this, I realize, Lord, how many times have I missed things in my life because I'm looking at it from a human perspective and a human viewpoint. When I talk about COVID or sickness or this, oh, yeah, man, oh, we need to pray for you. No, no, let's pray now and trust God for a miracle because my God do miracles. See, that's a different perspective. You see, spiritual truth can only be perceived by a person's spirit. Do you know that? Spiritual truth can only be perceived by our spirit. Therefore, it is impossible for those of us, for, for those who are only walking in the natural, to ever understand the things of God. We need to be spiritual minded. We need to be minded of the spirit of what God is doing and what He is capable. That's why God said, You will do greater works than me because you, you will be spiritual minded, your viewpoint will change. Now, the Word of God is, is a spiritual book, right? It's written by the Holy Spirit, yes, by men, but it was empowered by the Spirit. It's a book, it's a spiritual book, and it's written under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It was not written for the mind, but it was written for the innermost part of our hearts. And that's why some people still find the Bible hard to understand. They are trying to comprehend it using their minds. How many of you have been there? I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to understand it. Until I start, one day asked the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, you need, to you need to help me. And immediately, some, some things started popping up. Revelation came. That's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to read our Bible with the mindset of said, Lord, you need to open this spiritually to me. Otherwise, it's just going to be words on paper. It comes alive when it fills our hearts. See, the Word of God has to inspire our hearts, have to inspire our hearts before it can enlighten our heads. Do you hear that? The Word of God has to inspire our hearts before it can enlighten our heads. And sometimes we, we try to read the Bible with our mind and try to understand it and reason it out and we miss the spiritual aspect of it, what God wants to do in my heart. So look what happened to our friends on this road to Emmaus. Luke 21 verse 26. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scripture. Wasn't it clearly depicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before he entered the glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of, the, of, of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and, uh, and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him. Such an important scripture that. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is late, uh, since it is getting late. So we went home with them, and as they sat to eat, he took the bread and, and blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked on the road, and as so as he talked with us on the road and he explained the scriptures to us. Man, how powerful is that? Remember the story started off with them being restrained or without passion and being depressed. 
focusing on the human side, reasoning this thing out. When Jesus started speaking the word to them, their spirit started coming alive. Something happened on the inside of them. It struck their hearts. They were not looking at all the things around them, trying to figure out this thing with their mind. And suddenly when God, Jesus started sharing the scriptures with them, started sharing the prophecies with them, started sharing the promises with them, their hearts start, started burning inside of them. See, when their spirit was turned on, their mind was turned on. Oh, sorry, when, when his spirit was turned on, their mind was turned away from all the issues and the troubles. Have you ever had that? When I focus on all the stuff around me, Lord, how am I going to make this month? We don't have this, we don't have that. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then I start taking the scripture, I put worship music on, and I just start worshiping, and I start reading scripture. And then after a while, suddenly my perspective starts changing. My emotion starts lifting. Whew, wow, Lord, you are so amazing. And the scripture starts changing the way I think. Suddenly, they could see the truth. Suddenly. It wasn't that the truth was hidden from them. The truth was right in front of them. And as they were starting, Jesus was starting to share the word, suddenly their eyes were open and they could see, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. And the truth was right in front of them. I love how they say, didn't our hearts burn within us as they talked, as he talked with us? Then suddenly, they moved from a human perspective to a godly perspective. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how things in our lives, the worries, the stresses, the challenges, the stuff in our life can put our focus on the wrong things. So that our eyes is literally blinded by the spiritual things. You see, they went from being unpassionate to suddenly being passionate for him and the word. Their hearts started burning. I don't know about you, but if a man has passion for a woman and their wedding day, we talk about, my, my heart is burning. There's a blade. My heart is ablaze. Remember that? There's actually scriptures in Songs of Solomon that says, love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. It's when your heart starts burning with passion. The unpassionate became passionate in one moment. That's why Romans 10 verse 7, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing more. Hearing what? The Word of God. Hearing the promises, the truth, the Scriptures in your life. Sort of speaking it over your situations in your life. And then suddenly, oh goodness, the issues and the troubles and the stress isn't that big anymore. God is doing something amazing. See, when we turn our attention away from the issues that distracts us to the word that activates us, we start to see with polarized lenses. That's what God created us for. To see deeper, to see better, to take the glare away from the stress and the fear of our lives with what takes our mind and our focus away from God. See, the glare is gone and then we see the truth when we activate our spirit through the word of God. Verse 28 and 29, I love it. It says, by that time they were nearing Emmaus. And at the end of their journey, it says here, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him. They begged him to stay with them. 
Why do you think Jesus acted? It's, a, it's interesting. What would happen if they let Jesus go? That was my first question. What would happen if they just let Jesus oh, Thank you. Thank you for the nice conversation. Man, I feel great. Thanks. They would have missed it. And they probably would have missed the rest of the story, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the great things in Jerusalem. They would have been in Emmaus, fun at home, still depressed and sad. But something in them started ticking when Jesus was speaking to them. That passion started coming alive in them. And they begged him to stay. See, the scripture says Jesus acted. Why? Because he didn't force himself on them. He didn't. He wanted them to pursue him. Do you know we have a great God and he can snap his finger like this. You will all love me right now. Done. But he didn't. He said, I'll give you the greatest present ever. The greatest gift that the world has ever seen. I'll give you my son. And then by his own will, he will die so that you will have everything in life. I will not force you, but I want you to pursue me. I want you to pursue me. You see, some of us have missed or came short. We experienced some of them. And then we left it short. And God wanted us to go deeper. He wanted us to have more of Him. Why? Because God wants us to pursue Him. He wants us to pursue Him. He wants us to have more of Him. He wants our eyes to open away from the worldly perspective into the godly perspective where He can break open the Word to us. Where He can take us from a stressful situation, show us the godly principle in it. And free us. I want to end with this scripture, Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 5 to 6. It says, those who live according to the flesh will have their minds set on what the flesh desires. I love that. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Doesn't it sound like two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, focusing on their fleshly things. Oh, Jesus is gone. Nothing can change it now. It's gone. It's, he died. It's over. What now? Oh, let's cry together. Jesus said, no, no, no. Get your mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Isn't that a powerful scripture? Guess how Romans 8 starts. Verse 1. There is no condemnation for you. How? Who are in Christ Jesus. In Him. In Him. That means that we are in the righteousness of God. It means that when He died on the cross, when He rose from the dead, He made us in right standing with Him. That says, I have paid for your sin. Now come over to this side. There is no condemnation for you. Don't let your fleshly mindset of how you think you are sinful keep you away from me. Do you know how, how many Christians are kept out of church and kept out of the Word because of guilt, because of condemnation? I don't feel spiritual enough. I'm too sinful. Yet our King died for that. And all He wants us to do is step over to this side and say, Lord, change the way I think. Change the way I think. Help me change my 
sunglasses to polarized lenses so that I can see deeper into this moment. I want to see more. I want to see more of you. I can't dabble around fear and, 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 and depression and all these discouragement things. And yes, it's a reality in our lives, but we need to step over and say, Lord, you've given life on that cross. You've given me victory on that cross. Yes, I've went through dark places and through tough things in my life, but I need to step over and say, Lord, yet you have done greater things. You have given me life. You have shined your light in the darkness so that I don't have to sit here anymore. I can have more of you. I don't know about you, but I want more of him. And every time I'm in his presence, he's acting that he, he might go, but he's waiting on me. Please ask me to stay. God wants us to beg him, please stay in my presence. Please stay with me, God. And some of us here are maybe going through some stuff. And when you're in a dark place and stressed and... If, it's tough to, to realize that God is with us. But He is with us every step of the way. Every step. He's there. When I turn around, He's there. When I back off, He's behind me. When I go forward, He's in front of me, leading me. He's there. And I want to encourage you this morning as we're going into Christmas season and into a new year to leave the old 2021 behind, all the stuff and all the old mindset and all the stuff that you think, how am I ever going to have a better year? Hopefully it's not a worse year than this. Leave the worst year in 2021 and step over into a life with Him. That says, I'm already, me and Salome says, Lord, thank you for life. You're going to do great things. You're going to do much more than I've ever think or dream of. You're going to supply in our needs spiritually, physically, financially because you have paid for it on a cross. I don't have to do nothing. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you for more. More of you. Can we pray together? Won't you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. For how, just Lord, how you love us. Lord, I want to pray for everyone here this morning who, who feels far from you. Everyone here that, that feel that, Lord, I've, I've wandered so far from you, Lord, I don't even know if you love me anymore. And I've been wandering from Jerusalem to Emmaus, reasoning about a bunch of stuff in life, and I'm trying to figure it out in my human mindset, Lord, but I realize this morning I need to switch on my spirit. I'm made to see things with my spirit. Lord, I pray that you touch their hearts this morning. If you're here this morning, can we just close our eyes quickly? If you feel like that this morning, I'm not going to call you out, but I want you just to put your hand on your heart this morning. If you feel that is me, any man, that is me. I need to be closer to you, Father. I need more of you. Father, I pray this morning that, that you have never, that you will help them see that you have never left them. That you've always been there right by their side waiting for them to pursue you. Father, I pray that you break open the toughest of situations with your love this morning. The 
greatest needs in our hearts that we are pondering about and thinking about, Lord, do you still love me? Are you still going to provide this for me? Is this still going to happen? Will you show them your love for them? Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.